Welcome to Hope Beyond the Badge, a podcast that brings awareness, inspiration, and conversation together for first responders, families, and others interested in mental well-being in first response. New episodes weekly with your hosts, Jay Bailey and Linda Kokoros. Jay is a father, a military veteran, worked in the fire service for 18 years, and carries a diagnosis of PTSD. Linda is a mom, a wife, a certified life coach for first responders, and a suicide loss survivor of a first responder. Let's talk about it. Today, Mike Peterson joins us in the studio. Mike is founder of New England Mindfulness and Performance, LLC, a veteran-owned business. Mike served in the Army National Guard for 21 years and completed three deployments. Mike is also a law enforcement officer for the past 17 years. He's a resilience trainer, suicide intervention trainer, involved in peer support and defensive tactics. Mike, we are very excited to speak with you tonight about mindfulness and first response, uh, first responders and veterans, what you offer in courses, well-being, Kane's Corner, and more. Uh, first, please take a moment to introduce yourself to our audience. Hey, I appreciate this opportunity. Yes, yeah, so my name is Mike Peterson. I'm a combat veteran. I did um, three tours, 21 years of the Army National Guard. I'm a dad of three, 19 years old, 17 years old, and seven. <laughs> I'm a federal law enforcement officer, uh, peer support coordinator, um, and work for the Department of Homeland Security. And um, I start school, actually, um, next semester for a licensed clinical social worker at Simmons University. Wow. So I'm excited for this. Wow. Good oh, for you. One big thing also is I'm also, I also have my own nonprofit, the Specialist Matthew Pliny Memorial Fund, named after my fallen soldier. And I'm on the board of Hidden Battles. Um, as a peer support member. Wow, that's awesome. We're going to get into all of that. I'm very, very excited, Mike, to get into the whole conversation of what you do and how you help first responders, veterans, and uh, and more. So tell us a little bit about New England mindfulness, and then I want to start to get back into you being mm-hmm. a police officer and um, you know being in the, the National Guard for 21 years, right, and a, a law yeah. enforcement an officer for 17 years, right? Yes. Yeah. So take us into, you know, New England mindfulness, what it is, just start to, in, in a nutshell, and then we can start to take us back then into into being a police officer and, and, and National Guard and how that, all that started. Okay. So New England mindfulness and performance, it's a, it's a brand new company I started, and I started it because my agency at Homeland Security sent me to become a mindfulness coach. And my agency is very proactive in the wellness and the peer support realm and the, the mental health of its officers. So it sent me to become a, um, a, a coach of uh, mindfulness. So I took that certification. I just figured, well, let me help out outside my agency as well. And that's why I decided to develop my own, my own uh, company. And uh, it, it's gone really well so far. We've already um, uh, done classes for Wounded Warrior Project, uh, Responders Together New Hampshire, up in uh, Guilford, New Hampshire. Um, we've done a, I just did a class yesterday at Nespin with 27 students, a bunch of police chiefs and deputy chiefs. Wow. So I see that the leadership is really coming into it. I had a class in Burlington with a bunch of captains. And so there's some good leaders that are coming because they're all, they all are interested in bringing this back to their departments. Wow. So I think the career field is headed in the right, in the right path. Wow. 
Um, what made you want to be interested, like you said, Homeland Security, right? They sent you to mm. do a mindfulness course. You had to be interested in it for you want to participate in something like that, right? Tell us so why. After, why. I'm sorry. Yeah. After losing my soldier, I um I was I went through some serious tough times because I was the typical law enforcement guy where I'm too tough to talk. Everyone else should go talk to somebody, but I'm too tough to. And then the perfect storm happened one day that forced me to go get help. And so by getting help, I had I went to the vet center in Lowell, which which is unbelievable people, and they put me in a cognitive processing therapy, which is mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Right, it's, it's giving you the ability to learn how to, to be mindful, to do the breathing techniques, and also to be self-aware to feel those those PTSD episodes coming on, to feel that heart racing, the muscles tensing. I see an accident on the highway, and I would just freeze and get angry and because my soldier died in an accident in Iraq. And so so it would bring me right back to that day. And so when I went to the cognitive process and therapy and doing that mindfulness training, it just it was a game changer. I just became the biggest believer, and I just went full board with it. And um, so when I found out my agency was was sending people to become coaches, I just volunteered immediately. And uh, and, it, and it goes with my peer support work as, as well. I've been the peer support coordinator for the New England field office for since 2017. So it just goes hand in hand. And, it, and having that, 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 that certification and that schooling just enables me to help that many more people. Yeah, mm. I love that. So I, I know firsthand how, how important it is, especially with those with PTSD and just other mental health issues. Yeah, because a lot of times when, you know, when someone is struggling, right, um, mm-hmm. or having a, a tough day, um, the, the last thing they're thinking about is breathing, right, when they aren't breathing or being mindful of what's going on with me. And, um, and this allows them when they're taught that tool, right, um, mm-hmm. or being given that tool to be able to use to help them when they need it. Um, it it's just, it, it, as you said, a game changer, right? Yeah, it's invaluable. It, it should be the first thing they're thinking when they feel that, that test, uh, that chest tensing and that, you know, the muscles tensing, the heart racing. First thing they should be thinking is, oh, I need to take a step back. I need, just give me two minutes. I need to breathe. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Can I get into talking about that? You even saying I lost my soldier. Is, is it is it okay? Are you comfortable talking about that? I am. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm comfortable talking about it now. I, if you asked me uh, six years ago, I was not comfortable, but yeah, we can talk about it now. Okay. So, like, tell us, like, I, I, I mean, I want. I'm interested in what you struggled with as far as after you lost your sh- soldier. Like, take us on that journey. So it was my first day as a squad leader, taking over, um, we just got into Iraq. And so we taken over the 10th Mountain Division. And it was uh, the first mission that I, I officially took over, and that's and we lost him after the mission. As we were coming back on base, his vehicle rolled over outside base, and, you know, and, and it was just a whole issue. Rockets started coming in, and it was a bad day, um, mm-hmm. obviously the worst day. And so I, I struggled with that. I, I encouraged all my soldiers to go talk to combat stress and go get the help that they need. And then we continued on after taking two weeks off in Iraq, we continued on to do 96 more combat missions and we did a lot of great work and my soldiers are very resilient. They were awesome. Um, but I never sought help. So I felt like everyone was looking at me and depending on me and leaning on me. So I'm taking care of everyone, but I never took care of myself. I just thought I was maybe too strong for that. And plus I'm the leader. Everyone's looking at me so I can't show weakness, which I'm here. I'm definitely saying is the wrong answer. Right. But that was my, that, that's how I was, and that's how I think a lot of us are, right, in the yeah. military and first responder world. Many. And that's unfortunate. So it just piled on and piled on. Then I got home and went through a divorce, and the divorce was kind of messy. 
then that's more stuff in my rucksack. And then I go into some trouble, which is more stuff in my rucksack. So now the rucksack is getting extremely heavy. Right. And so then the perfect storm happened. And that's when I went, I had to go get help at the vet center. And uh, that's when I went to the CPT. So by, by taking the blame and never seeking help, just sucking it up, it, it just, it added a lot of stress to me. Yep. I was lashing out on my children for, because they weren't tying their shoes fast enough. You know, stupid, small stuff like that, where I'm getting angry and it turned and for what? Like they didn't deserve that. And all because I was just, uh, I didn't know how, how to deal with my own anger and my own, I was, I was ir- irritable. I was just, I was just annoyed over everything. I had no patience. Mm. I was obviously drinking a lot and, uh, and that's again, all the wrong answer, but I didn't know any better. And so it just, it all became too much one day. When did you realize that you, you did someone say to you, you need to go and get help or did you, how did you realize it yourself like that? Wow. A few I, people have told me you need to go do something. You need to go get help here. And yeah. I, I mean, I almost lost my career over it. Wow. And did you tell them to mind their own business at the beginning, the first time? Or no? Or you uh, said, I'm going to take their the advice? The first time, until somebody at work said it. When it, when it was just uh, my regular friends, they said, I was like, I'm good, I'm fine. But then when, when bosses at work were like, hey, uh, this is not, it's not going to work. Yeah. You know, that was, a, that, was, that was all I needed. Yeah. So can you take us in when you did start to get help? Um, were you open to it? Um, like, were you open to it right away? Um, did you did you feel um, some relief from the symptoms that you were experiencing? I yes, because uh, that was in um, 2016, so it was seven years afterwards, and and I was tired of of of, of living like this and of being so angry and just and I definitely never wanted to yell at my kids. I felt bad afterwards. I didn't want to be like that. Yeah. So yes, I was definitely ready to hey somebody please help. Yeah, I just gave myself to the vet center. I said, well, then they asked me, you want to try this? You want to try that? I go, I will try whatever you recommend. I'm, just tell me what to do. Oh, I love to hear that, that you were like ready. You were ready to I receive. was ready, but CPT yeah. was one of the toughest things I've ever done. It, it's You have to write down your story. You give it to a clinician, and she picks it apart, right? And so that was tough for me because, like, I, I took full blame on everything. I can't trust anyone. Um, I... Uh, if I want something done, I have to do it myself if I want it done right. And so she picks all all that apart and says, well, is that necessarily true? And you say yes. And then she asks questions. And then, okay, well, well, maybe I could trust some people. Okay, so that's not true. Yeah. Okay, and so she picks apart your story. And, you know, you get angry, but she's right. Yeah. Right? She's a, a, a neutral party, and, she's, and she just makes you realize, question your beliefs, because your beliefs aren't always right. You see it from your point of view. And that's also what I teach in my mindfulness class, is that you see it from your point of view, but... None of our stories are 100% true because we only see it from our point of view, right? Which yeah. we don't, we don't, and we, we kind of lie to ourselves just to, to fit our needs, which is not, yeah. not the healthiest way. I hear Jay breathing beside me, Jay. Are you relating with any of that? Yeah, I, I am. I mean, I, I have my own story of suffering and my own journey to healing, and uh, I, I can relate to a lot of what you're describing. Absolutely. Um, how long did it take for you to feel some relief once once you entered treatment? I'd say I'd say within I'd say about a month of of visiting the vet center. Yeah, I'd say about a month of it. It was I just I felt so much better. Mm. And, but even now, I didn't just go to the vet center and um and now I'm cured and I'm good. I go back every now and then for a tune up. That's why I call it. I call it a tune-up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I go back every now and then. I go. I've been to VFR for a tune-up. Just when I feel it coming back, and especially this time of year, because 
the anniversary is January 22nd, 2009. Yeah. That's when my soldier. So I know like around this time of year, I need to, I need to double down. I need yeah. to be extra safe and extra cautious. Yes. I, I, I feel it coming, especially on around that anniversary or his yeah. birthday, April 4th. Do you know what I love to, I love that I hear you saying is that your, your awareness, you're, you're very aware of when you're feeling um, not 100% and not 100% yourself, right? So mm-hmm. I need to go and, and have a tune-up or what you call it, right? So I love that your your awareness is is very much so there, right? And there's and nothing wrong with that. No, absolutely not, for sure. Absolutely yeah. not. So so the National Guard, right? You were in the National Guard for 21 years. You yes. got involved in um, mindfulness in the National Guard, right, too. And then also as a police officer. Tell us your journey, I want to get into the police officer one. Um, tell us your journey about that. Like, what made you? Did you always want to do something like that in law enforcement? I did always want to be law enforcement, but I really always wanted to be a local cop. And then, um, and then, but when I came back from Afghanistan and Pakistan, I just applied for everything with a badge and a gun. And then I was active duty Army National Guard doing counter drug operations with the DEA, the Lynn Police Department, and then. Um, Immigration and Customs Enforcement called. ICE called, and they asked me if I wanted the job, and I totally forgot I even applied. So, uh, <laughs> but I said, I said yes, I took it, and then, um, and and that's how I that's how I got started, and that was in uh, uh, June 26 of 2006. And so from there, I uh, two years later became a defensive tactics instructor. In 2010, I took over the defensive tactics program for New England, and then I took over the PS4 program for New England uh, in 2017. Wow. So, um, so. Are you still active? Are you a still active police officer? Yes. Wow. So you don't go out on the street. You're not out on the streets. You're in training. Tell us a little bit about what you what you actually do now. So up until recently, I was I was out on the street, but then I got promoted to a first line supervisor, and so that's a little bit less street. And then I got promoted again to assistant field office director, and then that's that's just no street. So yeah. I, I, I miss it, but you can't. I guess you can't do that forever, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm thankful for the promotions, and, and it's it's great. And now I'm assigned to uh, my agency's headquarters out of Washington D.C. Yeah. But I'm full time remote, building a uh, veterans program for the for the, the country for the agency nationwide, and I also um, write the uh, wellness policy. I assist on writing the wellness policy that we're about to implement nationwide. Hmm. So it's it's excellent stuff. I'm, I'm fortunate I get wow. to do that and, and kind of make um, an impact on you know, the whole agency as opposed to just my field office. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Congratulations. And, and Thank again, you. I'm, I'm fortunate. I'm very blessed. You are. And, and, and also you're be able to make um, an impact in that area, right? Um, mm-hmm. Of wellness in, in that, in that, that field. That's absolutely fantastic. That's what we want to see more of. Um, as a police officer out on the street, um, did you get to see, like, we've had a lot of interviews with first responders, police officers, firemen, right, EMTs, and, you know, a lot of those calls. Did that, those calls add into your backpack too? There, there's been, so the difference with federal law enforcement is we had targets. Right? We had fugitives that we'd go after. So we weren't responding. I mean, the stories that I hear from local cops are you know, horrific. Mm. They, like, yes. I, I, I work with hidden battles, I, I get... I've gained so much insight into how and what happens and the calls that they respond to. It's a lot. Yeah. My 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 situation was I've seen some some awful stuff down at the border, right in the Phoenix uh, Arizona area or in El Paso, um, even up here in the Boston when I'm doing fugitive operations or I'm I'm going after my target and the stuff that you see the way people live and it's just so unfortunate. Mm. But I, I will say I probably 
I can't, it can't compare to what local police witness almost daily. Wow. All right. Excellent. I, I love to hear that, you know, there's mindfulness again being acted in there. And obviously you do peer support. So you hear a lot of stuff that comes from police officers, right? Yeah. Uh, and you, you hear and, and get to talk to them and be able to guide them maybe and, and actually just listen to them, right? Um, be able to talk out what they're going through and relate with it. Yeah, the class yesterday actually was uh, it, it's, it was such a great group of people, and and they obviously felt comfortable because they they developed uh, they 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 told some really intimate stories that uh, that of incidents that happened recently. Yeah, and for the, for people to do that with a group of people that they don't know, that you know that that speaks volumes. So I was I was pretty lucky to have such a, a comfortable group, and and it was uh, they really you could tell they needed to share. Mm-hmm. So I do it. My my class is obviously a mindfulness class. But because of my peer support background, I, I don't I don't fight that urge. So I, I it also becomes peer support, and you just can't help but to but to want to talk and about your issues because when you do mindfulness and especially if you're first time meditating, some stuff does come up mm-hmm. when you're sitting there in your own body, breathing, being silent. Stuff just ha- happens to come up as you can imagine. Yes, and so people just want to talk, and you know, and by all means, this is a safe place. So let's talk. Yeah, you're, you're with other cops that have been through the same stuff you've been through. Let's yes. talk. Yes, absolutely. And while you were actually talking, uh, what was going in my head was you actually created that safe space. That's what I was saying in my head. You created that safe space for someone to feel comfortable to talk in that environment with people that they didn't know. So. My hat is off to you, sir, to, uh, you. to create that safe space for someone to talk, um, which is always a great thing, right? Um, yeah. Um, so let's get into New England mindfulness and um, performance. Okay. Tell us what you do and if you can break down, because there's multiple different types of courses that you offer yes. um, in that. If you want to take us through each one, explain yes. them for our so listeners. It's all, it's all based off the uh, mindfulness, uh, Mindful Performance Enhancement Awareness and Knowledge Program, MPEAK, which is developed out of uh, University of California, San Diego. And so, but I offer uh, a one day, which is, uh, which covers, uh, you know, body scans, breathing techniques. That's not the, a lot of people think it's just meditation. It's not because I want you to know the science of it. I want you to know how it helps, how it helps the brain and how it helps your body, how it lowers your, your blood pressure. I want to teach you how to do it, but I want you to know how and why it helps. Uh, then we talk about performance stories and kind of what you feel when um, after maybe a, a, an incident or after, you know, um, any, when you feel that stress coming on, what happens to your body and what you can do to, to kind of, you know, mitigate that. So I want people to know the science behind it too, not just the breathing techniques. We do a lot of repetition with the breathing for sure. And we do some exercises. Um, <laughs> we do some exercises with apples and, and ice and, it's a lot of stuff. It sounds crazy, but but and everyone gives me that crazy look. Like, what are we we're throwing apples? We're a bunch of cops. But then they, they see why it's so useful because it's all about that performance anxiety, yes. which translates into them on the job or them, you know, in front of a crowd or, or whatever situation. It's just every exercise that I do and everything I teach is to get them in tune with it with themselves and how they feel. Wow. So it whether it be holding ice and, and which is all about distraction of pain. Uh, or whether it be you know throwing the apple or doing the apple exercise, that's all about performance anxiety. The, we have a, a one day and a two day. The two day includes a mindful hike. The mindful hike is something that's going to be coming in the, in the springtime around April, and that'll go from April to October. Uh, the mindful hike is a two day program, and uh, that's going to be a lot of meditation before about an hour class before, 
do a, a silent, mindful hike where you'll walk individually, separated from everyone else uh, for about um, half hour or so. And then we'll meet up again and do some more body scans and awareness of breath and have a good discussion afterwards. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, it, it is so... <laughs> You, you think about a mindful hike and it's like, oh, that sounds cool. But I can't say how cool it is. It, it, when you do it, because you never, when do you, what have you ever done that? Yeah. When you do it, it's like, wow, this is amazing. Like, to, you feel the, the sun on you. You, you feel the, the, you know, the shade from the trees. Like, we never feel that because we're so busy. We're both smiling. Point to point B. <laughs> we're, both, we're both smiling so big. Right. Because you go from point A to point B, right? We got to get the mission done. What's my next mission? No, no like, listen, calm down. Like it's not about the it's not about getting to the end point. It's about the journey. Yes, and that, and that's 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 how we need to live our lives. You know, forty seven percent of the time, where our mind wanders. That's half our life. Our mind is wandering. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's that's crazy. But that's a that's an actual stat. So if we could if we could you know take time, and actually slow down, we're going to be a lot happier, a lot healthier. We're going to live longer. Mm-hmm. And so that that's kind of what I, what I'm trying to do. Um, so I have a three day course as well that just involves more exercises and more, um, and, and more classroom. And I also, also offer a mindful leaders course that's coming, um, at the end of February. And that's going to be for second line supervisors and higher for one. It's going to, because I know they deal with their own issues and a lot of them might not want to divulge anything, but amongst, you know, rookie or, you know, newer troops. Yeah. So, uh, it'll be second line supervisors and higher. And also it's going to be, their own well, uh, mental um, mental health and their own mindfulness, but also how to implement a mindfulness program in their departments. Yeah. So I'm going to help them, but I'm also going to help them bring it to their departments. Yes. And the, and it's also creating awareness because now they're, they're also more aware when they go back to their department of who possibly is struggling a little bit, right? Yes. And they're going to be able to, to to be able to start to watch for that a little bit more, be more aware of it. Oh, yes, absolutely. And that's for leadership. You said that's for a leadership program course. Yeah, mindful mindful leaders course. Okay, perfect. And that's it. What? How long is that? Is that a day? A two day? How long that, is that's that? One that's one day. That's an eight day? hour course. An eight hour. And did it? It's in classroom, or did they go on a hike, or did they do mind all mindfulness? Yeah, it'll be just mindfulness. It'll be in the classroom. It'll just be different material geared towards leadership. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Because, yes, uh, as a leader, as a supervisor, or even a captain, chief, right, whatever, whoever they are, they also have not only responsibilities of other people who report to them, but also a responsibility to the departments that they work in, right? And, and yeah, I mean, you still have stressors. It may yeah. not be the stressors from when you were on the road as a cop, just like me chasing down fugitives, but you get different stressors, you know, that you're responsible for all these people and you're making decisions that, that impact all these people, which in return impact their families, right? Yeah. So those are different stressors and, and people don't take that lightly. So, but the, but the, the line officers may not understand that kind of stress because obviously they're not in that situation. So, if they can be in a classroom with, with their people at their at their peer level, I think that they're, they're more likely to open up and take advantage of a of, of what I'm teaching. Yeah. So, do you have a location where people go to, or do you go to departments, or do you do both? So, I uh, the class yesterday was at Nespin um, in Franklin, Mass. And Nespin is great about hosting me. Um, I did a class in Burlington, and I did classes. I find venues is I guess what I'm saying. I don't have my own venue. Yeah. 
So I find venues wherever it's more convenient for the for the departments. Yeah. Some departments want to host, like Burlington Police Department wanted to host me. That's fine. So I do it there. And then, but Nespin is always uh always a go to. They're always willing to host. Oh my goodness! There's going to be so many departments listening to this, and they're going to be like, "Yeah, bring them in." We'll bring them, yeah. we're gonna well, bring them good. in. I mean, like, like, whatever helps everyone. I'm not looking to pay off my mortgage with yep. New England mindfulness. I'm looking to bring this to, to the troops. Yes, absolutely. But they are definitely, I mean, it, yes, absolutely. Think about if everyone was trained in the departments for mindfulness, right? Mm-hmm. In all the departments, right? The whole, whole department, even one whole department was trained and went through one of your courses for even a one day, right? Think about the tools that they would have in their pocket to be able to reach into, um, to be able to help them, even after a call, right? A first responder, yeah. police officer, after going through a bad call, he's not going back to the station. He's going waiting for the next call in his cruiser by, he is. Him, and, and, by himself. And we, and, we talk, and we talk about that situation exactly. Where Listen, I'm, I'm not saying go take an eight-hour class after you get that call because that's impossible, right? Yeah. But take the five minutes to yourself and do that deep breathing and let it go because you need to go to the next call. But if you, if you don't take that time, that two, two to five minutes of breathing, you're going to go to that next call with that last call on your brain. Yes. And what that's going to do and all that stress, what it's going to lead to is excessive use of force. It's going to lead to lawsuits, which leads to huge stress for everyone and, and for the department. Yes. It's, it's, it, it, it would be so much more efficient if you could just take that time. And you know what else? Take that time before you walk into your house. When you're in that driveway, sit there for, or around the corner, sit there for three to five minutes and regulate. Just do that breathing, calm down. Don't bring that job home with you. I went to one training one time, and the, the saying I completely love, so I stole it, is don't be so busy working that you're not at home working. Mm. We're all so busy working, and we take the job home with us. And, mm. and why? No, no, you're home now. Yeah. Be home. Yes. Work on home. Yes. So if you can just take that time to do that breathing, leave it at work. Mm. Now you're home. You're you. Yes. The job is not you. Yes, absolutely. And and the thing that a lot of force suspenders and firemen, right, they go mm-hmm. to those calls and they don't talk about it. They're not taking the time to breathe with self-care, right, um, yeah. to breathe take look after themselves, take that minute. I, I remember talking to a, a, a police officer on the SWAT team, and um, he said, there was none of, I need a minute to to breathe a little bit, to, to shake this off. I forget the words that he used, but he said, there was no, I need a minute. There was none of that. We just went out to the next call. And then they just all keep piling up and piling up and piling up before it ends up overflowing, right? And, you know, it, and, it's like it's that saying about the body keeps score or the body yeah. keeps count. That's exactly true, right? Yeah. So like, it takes a leader in the department after shift or right before the end of shift to say, hey, listen, everyone, let's five minutes. Give me five minutes. Let's all just you know relax and let's do some breathing. Let's do yeah. what, what we learned. Let's do some breathing. Yeah. Five yeah. minutes. All right, guys, go home, be safe, let me know if you need anything. Yeah, and think about... That like, would go a long way. Yeah, absolutely, and think about a department that um, is practicing that type of stuff, right, being taught, um, you know, how to be able to breathe, because I, I don't think a lot of first responders actually take a minute to sort of, you know, what really, those deep breaths and, and letting it go, right, 
inhaling and exhaling and letting it go. I don't think they practice that um, uh, or no, or maybe even not even comfortable doing it because they feel like silly doing it or whatever it might be. They're too, you know, too I macho. Think, I, think you, I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it. I think, I think everyone's scared of all of they might, people might think I'm weak. But first of all, you're telling me Navy SEALs and Green Berets can do this? Yeah. But you, but, but you can't do it? Yeah. That, I mean, and, and so when, when people in my class say, well, how can I bring this back to the naysayers? I go, you're a cop too, and you're here. Your instructor, myself, is a combat veteran and a federal agent. I'm doing it. So who, who are these to say, who are these people to judge you or me? Yes. If you bring it back, they're going to do it. Yes, absolutely. I go, I go how just do it once to challenge them? All right, yeah. I'll tell you what, you think it's funny? Sit with me for one time, five minutes, and let me know what you think. You know, they're going to make a joke, but they're going to sit with you and do it. And guess what? They're going to love it. They're going to be hooked on it. Yeah, mm. absolutely. I think they feel awkward. Like, it's that macho, you know, ego thing going on of the male population and first response, uh, especially as, um, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't do this. You know, I, I wouldn't know mm. how to be able to do this. And first of all, being able to start to sit still for a few minutes, that's sort of like nearly impossible. Well, it's not impossible, but they feel that it might be impossible for them to be able to do that. Um, but you know what they they, yeah. they they work but they work out every day. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness is also I mean it's all about the mind being being aware internally, right? It, yeah. Intentionally being aware internally. So when you're working out, you're being mindful. You're not just lifting weights just to lift weights. You're, you're doing that mind that mind muscle connection. Yes, absolutely. That's mindfulness. And you and you just turn it into you know your breathing now and and you, you, you know, yeah you're doing that mind muscle connection so that yes. that right there is mindfulness you are doing it yeah you're breathing too like so don't say you're too tough to do it because guess what you've been doing it yeah now we're just gonna do it in a structured way yeah absolutely that yeah that's that's so true and and oftentimes first responders are aware though right they're aware <clears throat> uh, of the benefits of physical exercise of working out their body. And a lot of what we're talking about uh, that gets in the way of, of first responders seeking this stuff out on their own before they begin to struggle is a lack mm-hmm. of awareness. Like it's yeah. so far away from our perspective. We talk about stigma a lot on, on this podcast. And yes. that's part of how we self-stigmatize, how our perspective, how the rescuer personality functions, where we're tough. Uh, you said something at the beginning of, of the podcast that I really resonated with, like, I want everybody else to get help, right? It's not that it's a bad idea. It's just, you know, looks good on you, though, type of thing. Yeah. Um, and I really applaud what you're doing. It, it sounds like there's a, well, there's obviously a, a clear distinction between what you're offering and talk therapy. Not that one's better than the other, right? Like, whatever works for somebody. Um, mm-hmm. However, what I really like that I'm hearing is that you're offering you're educating and you're offering the tools for the first responder to bring, then bring that stuff back with them on duty and at home. And uh, do, do you see that that approach resonates more with veterans and first responders than traditional therapy? I, I think, I think it has. Um, Cause people, they don't expect that. And so by, when I send out the surveys, the first thing they say is that this was an amazing course. I'm so glad that you taught us why. Mm. They, they, so they, they love the science behind it. They, you know, I think they thought that maybe it was just going to be some breathing techniques, but they didn't realize they were going to learn the science behind it. And when you learn the science behind it, it's like you see how everything, the whole body works together. Yeah. You, you can see it click in the students about an hour or two into my class where they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That That's how I feel. That is what happens. Yeah. yeah. And, they, and now they're just, now they're, now aware. just they're, they're sucked in. They, they got it. They're hooked. They're hooked. So they're, they're wicked. They're very into it. So, yeah. So I, I think that um, 
by teaching the science behind it and, and, and all that, it really helps them a lot because it, it, I bet. It, it's the evidence. I'm yes. saying how great it is, but then here's these multiple doctors and this multiple research that also say why it's great. Yes, absolutely. So it's just more evidence-based, I guess. Yeah, mm. and I love that. I love all of this because it really allows that first responder and again, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that like those first responders that are out there listening today um, to this interview. Um, there's nothing more powerful um, to be in connect, like connect with your own nervous system, right? And, mm-hmm. and to, to start, we, we've used the word before, Jay. I mean, we talk about this all the time. Um, there was one time we had a conversation and um, with the distinction of like the mind being full Mm-hmm. And being mindful, and and as two totally different things, right? Like your mind is full yeah. of all of this that's going on with your everyday life and everything that's building up inside of you, and and that's go 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 go, and that's what leads to all the stress and everything that's going on, and then also, well, I'm mindful, and and I use that also for myself, you know, as far as oh. Am I, am I getting stressed? Why am I getting stressed? Why am I letting my head get all like caught up in all this stuff going on? Just take a minute and take a deep breath and 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 calm yourself down so that you can be more mindful um, about what you're going to be doing next. And um, I love that that it started being introduced. That's what you're doing with first responders. Do you remember we had those conversations? I sure do. Yeah, yes, ma'am. Yeah. So um, and again, being in f- on tune with your uh, there's no one better than anyone else known how your own body functions, right? And how mm-hmm. you can help to be able to calm yourself um, down is, in situations. Well, which is also going to make you much more much more better and more efficient tactically mm. in a yes. tactical situation. Yeah. Before you go into that door, into, into that house, you can do that box breathing and lower, lower your, 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 your blood pressure and your heart rate. Yeah. You're going to be, you're going to shoot much more, much more efficiently. Yes. Your body's at its most calmest when you exhale. So if you could if you could practice your breathing and get that heart rate down, your shots are going to be much more on point, much more yes. on target. Yeah. But you know, but even in a fight and just in tactically, you know, if you if you can actually breathe and, and lower your heart rate, you're going to last longer and you're going to be you're going to be much more um, tactically efficient as opposed to you know think about everything else going on in the world because there's a lot going on in this situation, right? There's these people screaming, those people screaming, and then the guy that you're trying to put hiccups on. If you can block all that out and just focus on the guy that you're trying to put handcuffs on, mm. you can be that that much more safer. Yeah. When we let all the other noise in, that that it, it that it, you know danger happens. Yeah, absolutely. And and actually, we just had a um, an interview, um, like a couple of interviews that we've we've had police officers um, that we've talked about, and a couple of situations when they've described their situations, like say officer involved shootings, right? And um, where the police officers were were actually shot, and how they were able to tap into, I need to slow my breathing down yeah. so that I can stop bleeding out, right? To help me stop bleeding out, and mm-hmm. and the second officer just just talked just about that, it, yeah. just said it um, in our interview. He was shot, and um, and he, you know, said I need to slow my breathing down so that I can you know, help me my slow my breathing, uh, the bleeding yeah. down. Um, so, you know, it, it helps in those situations too. Um, but also, again, as Jay has talked about, like in the, in, in the, in the fire department, um, you know, checking equipment, 
you know, if there's a first responder, just say a, a fireman, and they're in, you know, not talking about what they're doing or not being mindful, right, about themselves and how they're feeling, um, and they have to check equipment to get, to get ready for the next call. Well, if they're practicing th- those breathings and they're more aware of what's going on within them, it also betters the department, right? Because things are getting checked better. I mean, Jay can talk yeah. about that a little bit more if you want to talk on it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of uh, unintended positive outcomes to having first responders that are at their mental and emotional best. And, um, yeah, checking equipment, preparing for calls, uh, the just the way that, that – um, the way that we respond, the community benefits, the department benefits, everybody benefits. You touched on, you know, the lawsuits of, of um, you know, use of force, things like that that happen when somebody, if somebody is in a state of trauma, right, those mm-hmm. things are more likely to happen. So I think that uh, when people are mindful, uh, when they're not caught in the grasp of tension and stress and anxiety, uh, they're going to be a better first responder. There's going to be a better result on on those calls and any services uh, that we do. And I think what Linda just touched on was really interesting. We have had a couple of police officers that spoke about, um, you know, being wounded by gunfire. And in that moment, immediately, they recalled, you yeah. know, I'm supposed to, you know, it's instilled in them, right? Uh, I, mm-hmm. you, I know you're a veteran, right? We talk about battle drills, that that collective yeah. action rapidly executed no dis- no deliberate decision making process and it gets instilled and what's exciting about the conversation about mental health and first response is and, and what you're doing particularly is it seems like that's about to be instilled into the culture right once they're aware that it's a benefit not only to themselves but but to the job right there's a huge sense of duty it, it, we're called to service so people want to to be their best in, in this profession. And if um, if there's an, an authentic understanding of um, of the impact on the job, on duty performance, and the importance of stopping to breathe, of being mindful, of taking care of your mental and emotional well-being, uh, and that starts to get endorsed by the culture, I, I don't even think we can imagine uh, the positive outcomes yeah. that, that, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that will compound itself, um, into, into like happier families, <laughs> like yeah. so many things are going to happen, but yeah. you know, you know, with the, the, the science behind it, behind mindfulness actually being useful in a, whether you're a soldier in combat or, uh, you're an officer you know, shooting or any kind of incident, a firefighter going into what happens in that trauma incident, emotions take over, right? That, that's a, pretty traumatic incident emotions take over so if you practice mindfulness what that does is that strengthens the prefrontal cortex which is the thinking part of the brain yeah and when, but when trauma and emotions the emotions take over that's the limbic part of the brain and so when you practice mindfulness it, it enables that prefrontal cortex the thinking part to take over from the emotional part a lot faster mm. and so that's why you, and because it, and if that doesn't happen uh like a regular civilian that has no training it, that that person in a traumatic incident is probably having that uh, the limbic part, the emotional part, take over and, and becomes overwhelming. Yes. Right. So if they can practice mindfulness and strengthen that prefrontal cortex connection, that's what's going to enable them to to react a lot a lot faster and overcome that. You know, that, I mean, stress yeah. is based on perception, right? Yes. So yep. if we can if we can have that that frontal cortex take over 
and, and more of the rational and decisive uh, part of our brain taking over, that's what's going to enable them to fight through and, and hope, you know, live and succeed. I love it. Yeah. Does that Ab- make sense? Yes, yep. absolutely. Love it does it. make sense. Uh, I mean, I, I can relate with a lot of that as a civilian, right? I'm not a first responder. Um, but um, I when we lost Alex, um, that was something that I learned to tap into. Um mm-hmm to be able to help me to get through the trauma that I was going through um, mm. after after his loss. And and I haven't stopped since. And, and believe me, I would have never been a person that was, I was going to the gym and getting the heart rate up and that type of person. Um, but after this, um, I definitely became more um, aware of how my breathing was able to help me be calm. And and then be able to start to block out that noise um, that I was feeling. It was just coming all around me. So um, being able to block out that noise and then be able to actually hear and listen to what I really sh- should be doing to be, m- you know, more um, self-care, right? And, and I felt happier within myself. And it yeah. definitely has helped me on my healing journey um, after the loss of Alex. So... Um, you know, we're talking about first responders tonight, but it doesn't only have to be first responders who participate. I mean, everyone should participate in mindfulness and breathing, right? And and being more aware and present in their everyday doings and what you're doing, you know? And um, I think there'd be a, a much more calmer society. I know there'd be less more more or less people sort of getting aggravated in this road rage and stuff like that, right? Yeah. We were more men. Why are you looking in, at me? Just, <laughs> no, no, no. Just in, every, just in everyday life, I wasn't. I was just putting my hand okay. over there. But just in everyday life, right, it would also yeah. be very, very helpful in, in also civilians too. So I totally get it. I'm all into it. I'm, I mean, you don't have to sell anything to me or talk to me about this. I'm in. I'm all in. Well, you know, it yeah. is something that corporate elites use, professional yeah. athletes use yeah. college uh, college teams use it yeah it's, it's something it's not it's definitely definitely not just for soldiers and first responders yes it's, it's, it's for, for it is for everybody for everybody Absolutely. i've never heard anybody that has engaged in these type of practices that that didn't speak to the benefits of them right there's people yeah. that that don't understand and then there's people people that do i've never heard anybody say i was able to achieve a meditative state and it's not all it's cracked up to be, you know, and I talk about it yeah. all the time. So, um, I, I, I imagine I would have gotten that feedback if it was out there. Once you have that experience of clearing your mind of releasing the tension from your body, that's a very desirable place uh, to be within yourself. Yeah. And, and you're, so you're still going to get, you know, like you're still going to get angry. That guy cuts you off. You're still going to get angry, but you know what? You're not going to, honk your horn, get out and fight them. You're going to get angry for a second, feel it coming and say, mm. yes. maybe that guy's having a bad day. Yes. Maybe he's, I maybe know what to do. To the wife's pregnant. I don't know. Yes. I don't know why he did that. I hope, hope he's safe. Yeah. Before, I used yep. to be, hey, you know, you, I mean, stuff I can't say on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you that's can. That's how we all work, cause especially here in Boston, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. But now you feel that coming. It's like, you know what? I'm good. And you know, I tell you what, mindfulness, not only is it helpful as first responders in, in my, in, with my job and, and me being a soldier, I've used mindfulness at Disney World. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> you're in these lines. It's hot. The kids are screaming. You're spending a fortune. You, know, you, you, you get irritated. Everyone does. Yep. Yeah. I, I yeah. need a couple minutes to go. I just need to take a few breaths. Yeah, you know, yeah. My wife knows the deal, too. My wife, she like she sees it coming, you know? So 
So I, you know, she knows it's, it's all, that's what I do. And that calms me down. Okay, now I can have a good time. Yeah. And what did, you know, dad, me before would do, yell at the kids for what? Yeah. So now when I feel it coming and I feel the stress coming, I know I need just a couple minutes just to, just to breathe. And, yeah. Okay, I'm back. And, and everybody is, is benefits yeah. from that. Right. Every, everybody benefits around you from taking a few minutes. Yep. Everybody. Not only yeah. you, everybody benefits. Yeah, you're from exactly it. right. Yeah. Yes. And, and the holidays are coming up, which are very stressful. Yes, for I was just going to bring that up too. Yes, the which holidays. Why, you know what I what I wanted to do my class at Nespin, They recommend they go, well, you should wait till after the holidays. I go, that's what you need. You might not have a great turnout. I go, let's get it to as many people as we can. And you know, I did have 27 students. That was awesome. Good. But uh, I just I, I just wanted people to get it before the holidays. That's why I did the November class in Burlington in the in the class yesterday at Nespin. Because I, I know people are going to need it. What is yeah. what is Nesman? I know you've sent, mentioned it. Is it a corporate New company? New England State Police okay. Information Network. Oh, okay. They Perfect. are such a great investigative uh, resource. They are amazing people. Wow. So I love that. Like, and as you said earlier on, like there's chiefs. There was some chiefs in your class. There's some yeah. captains in your class, and and like supervisors. So some leaders going in there also wanting to bring it back to the departments. So yes. that leads me into the next step of uh, as also before before I get into that next step, like how people are going to be able to find you and reach out to you. And I want to talk a little bit about families, um, if you don't mind, because we did talk a little bit about families off air um, before we got on. Um, how important is this? Um, do you offer um, classes or some sort of education also for families of first responders or veterans um, or get involved or couples classes and that type of stuff um, as well? So I, my first class was with the uh, Wounded Warrior Project and Responders Together New Hampshire. Those two nonprofits um, reached out to me and they had me put on a class where we had um, the veterans and first responders, but and their spouses. There were a couple of spouses that came. And the spouses, I mean, they were just blown away by 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 their first responder actually speaking and, and what, what that person goes through and to learn the same techniques is get them on the same page of, of how to calm things down and the same to get them both on the same page of the signs to look for when the stress is coming on. Yeah. I mean, the one, one spouse said it was a complete game changer. She was like, she was Mike, I went to your course. I just thought I'd be there for my husband. And I didn't realize that I was actually there for myself. Wow. That, I, wow. That's what I said, I said, wow. That, I thought that was amazing. So she, mm. uh, it was just excellent. So what I want to do is a, another class with first responders and spouses, which yeah. is where I would like you all to come in. And then I, Hidden Battles also wants me to put on a class, I believe, for um, for their for their veterans and spouses as well. I, I fully believe that that is a is a, a great thing to do, and I, I really encourage spouses to participate in that. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. And uh, we had a little uh, brief conversation about that before, so I'm sort of relating that back into our listeners who are listening in and to this episode of the podcast about mindfulness. Um, You know, um, a lot of first responder spouses or their significant other, right, Um, you know, might not know what to do or who to reach out to or what, how we're going to be able to support this first responder when they're coming home. And, to be able to have that connection, right? We, we talked about that. The connection yeah. is missing. There's a lot of connection missing because the first responder doesn't want to talk about what they're after going through um, that day on the shift or what's been building up over time. 
But the spouse recognizes it. Does it change? Does a behavioral change at home? The person might be drinking a lot more. They might not be mm-hmm. interacting with the family, right? Or not participating in, in the child's sports that they're going to. And, and, and she's doing it or he's doing it by themselves, right? So, um, so to have that, to be able to, you know, build on that connection where there's, com- that can actually produce conversation, right? From participating yeah. in some mindfulness without it actually a conversation having to explode into some sort of an argument, right? Um, yeah. To be able to connect and talk in uh, a more supportive way of each other um, is an absolutely wonderful thing. There can't be anything but a positive outcome from from this type of connection. Well, you know, when you're a first responder, you're not the only one in that career field. Your whole family is in that career oh, field. You're just the one wearing the uniform. <laughs> yep. Whether they like it or not. The family is yeah. part of that career, whether they want to be or not, for sure. But if we can teach these breathing techniques to, to everyone and just the body scans and just the whole the whole mindfulness aspect, right? This is a great thing for you all to do together, maybe before bed or when you wake up in the morning. You know, and, and try it throughout the day, whatever day, whatever works for you. Some people, it works better at night because if you have trouble sleeping... I'm telling you, you will you will pass out cold if you can do some deep breathing exercises that I teach. You'll yeah, 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 you know, yeah. So, so I, I think that, that that's gonna be that's another huge benefit that people get from this stuff. But it'd be it's just a great connection to do you know with your spouse if your spouse is willing to. Yes, absolutely. So you're listening to them, guys. You listen to everybody out there and spouses who are listening in. Um, they're you know you can participate in the likes of this with your spouse your first responder your loved one and be able to have that connection maybe there's something missing um um that's been building up over time and this is a way to be able to start maybe some healing together right yeah or even if you don't do it together if if your spouse and you were both at my training you can say hey i need to go or she might say or, or he your spouse might say hey let's go take 5 minutes go do that go do a body scan go then go take your time to yourself go yeah. do your thing yeah. Okay. Great. Like at least their understanding of, of why you need time apart and what yeah. it does for you. Yes, mm. absolutely. So, how can they reach out to you? How can departments find you and reach out to you? How can um, if a, if just a first responder wants to reach out to you, or a spouse wants to reach out and say, "Hey, I would love to be able to book my husband into this class um, or okay. participate in a class with them," how can they how can they find you? So my email is uh, N-E, as in New England, N-E, mindfulness and performance at gmail.com. But my, you can go on my website and all my contact info is there and my number, which anybody can call my number. If they want to call my number for mindfulness purposes or for peer support purposes, call somebody, talk to somebody. I, I'm, you know, you can talk to me anytime. It's yeah. all confidential. Um, my website is uh, www.nemindfulnessandperformance.org. All right, perfect. And if if you have your f- number or you know your number offhand, do you want to say that out for us so that they can write it down right there? Yes. So my number is 978-987-6244. Excellent. Thank you so much, Mike. Jay, do you have a, anything you want to chime in on? Uh, no, just this has been um, this has been a great podcast. I really enjoyed this conversation. I applaud you for all the good work that you're doing, sir. Yeah. Me too, and Thank and you. all the all the peer support stuff that you're doing too, um, with first responders. We thank you um, for 
continuing to serve, right, um, the first responder community mm-hmm. and uh, and being able to guide them and help them and also share your story, but also help them be able to maybe share theirs, right, and open up a little bit and uh, be able to unload their backpacks somewhat. Hey, I appreciate you guys. It's truly an honor being on here. You guys are doing great work as well, and I'm so glad that we could work together and that we connected. Thank yeah, you too. so much, and we look forward to connecting with you in the future, and, and not to too far future, Mike. Oh, soon, right? Very yes, soon. Yes, very, very soon. soon. Mike shared with us some of his experiences in the military as a law enforcement officer, how he struggled, and how he healed. He talked about losing a soldier in Iraq that was under his command, the impact that that loss had on him, and the dilemma that he faced while recommending combat stress support to his subordinates while he felt unable to take advantage of those services for himself. Mike also discussed how trauma can accumulate as a result of the duties that are associated with first response. He shared his personal experiences with cumulative trauma and explained how over time, his state of well-being began to decline. Eventually, Mike's symptoms were recognized in the workplace. He was not threatened with discipline. Instead, he was encouraged towards getting help by his supervisors. He was able to continue on with a successful career in law enforcement. Through his own healing journey, Mike found his purpose in a passion to help others. Today, Mike is involved with peer support programs. He runs peer support groups and offers mindfulness programs that are developed specifically for first responders and first response supervisors. Mike recognizes the importance of educating first responders about the science of trauma and recovery as he guides them towards wellness. If you'd like more information on these programs, please visit newenglandmindfulnessandperformance.org. And if you're interested in meeting or chatting with Mike in person, he's going to be one of the presenters at our First Responder Family Readiness Workshop this March. More information on that is coming soon. As always, if you're a first responder who's suffering and you don't know where to turn, call one of the Hope Lines at 781 817 3357 or 617-657-9108. Till next time. Till next time.